Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. All right, y'all grab your Bibles. Turn with me, please, to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. In verse 36. John 8, verse 36 from the New Living Translation says this. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. If the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Father, I pray that you'd add your anointing and your illumination to to this passage of your your word. I pray, God, that you help us to understand what it means. and, And more than just acknowledging it and understanding it, Lord, I pray that we would put it into practice in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, between Memorial Day and Flag Day and Juneteenth and July 4th, this is the time of the year that everybody talks about freedom, right? Most of our discussions are around political freedoms, civil rights, even those inalienable rights that the Declaration of Independence uh, refers to. But there is a freedom that the Bible talks about that really has nothing to do with any of those kinds of things, any of those sort of external freedoms. You see, most of the Bible was written by people who lived under oppressive political systems. They weren't, they weren't in democracies. They weren't voting for the most part. Uh, they endured frequent regime changes. They, they endured heavy-handed rulers, even some chaotic tribal rulers in the Old Testament. When the Bible talks about freedom, please don't Americanize it. All right, It's not, it's not about some particular form of government. This is true freedom that the word's talking about. The kind that, that Jesus was talking about when he said, if the sun sets you free, you are truly free. Truly free. That's the true freedom that we're talking about. Now, true freedom is the kind of freedom that can exist no matter what form of government you might live under. It's a freedom on the inside that supersedes any lack of freedom on the outside. And the converse is true as well. If you're lacking this freedom on the inside, it doesn't matter what sort of political or civil rights and freedoms that you have on the outside. You can be politically free and still be absent of true freedom on the inside. Okay? So today I want to talk about four aspects of true freedom the Bible doesn't just talk about but actually offers to us and invites us to walk in. I do want to point something out real quickly, though. Just like the freedoms that we enjoy today in this nation were paid for by somebody else, 
so our true freedom was also paid for by somebody else. It's not something that we earn or something that we deserve or something that we work our way into. That verse that we just read said, if the Son sets you free, the true freedom that we enjoy today was paid for by Jesus Christ himself. He does not, he, he covered the full price. He doesn't need our help, all right? Jesus left heaven to come to this earth. He lived a human life. He shed his innocent blood. He died a horrifying death on the cross. He conquered death and hell and the grave, and he rose again from the dead so that he could give us true freedom. He paid the ultimate price, so the freedom that he offers must be the ultimate gift. So why in the world would we not want to walk in it? Why would we not want to receive it? So if freedom is the path, then here are the gates of, those, uh, of that path. These four aspects, these four gates to true freedom. Okay, So here is the first one, and this is an ugly word, y'all. This is an ugly word, repentance. <laughs> repentance. Repentance. Y'all were excited a minute ago. You're like, I'm not so excited anymore. Repentance is, is how you get access to the first aspect of true freedom. As a matter of fact, if you don't enter through the gate of repentance, you can't get access to any of the other freedoms that Jesus died for. Repentance is the gate. And I want to show you what this gate leads to. Romans chapter 6 and verse 6. Romans 6 and 6 says, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. So that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Now look at verse 14 in the same chapter. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of of God's grace. Here's what I want you to see today. Repentance brings true freedom over the power of sin. Repentance brings true freedom over the power of sin. We're born slaves to sin. We have Adam and Eve to thank for that. All right? We're born slaves to sin. But when Jesus died on the cross, he made a way for us to die spiritually with him so that he could also raise us back to a brand new life, a brand new spiritual life where we are no longer bound by the power of sin. We're free. We're free. The power of sin is broken over your life. Sin is no longer your master. Just because you're tempted to sin, and we all are, does not mean we are required to give in to that sin. That sin, that temptation, that addiction, that desire, whatever it is, is not your master. If you've walked through this gate of repentance, Jesus is your master. And that is incredible news. You see, the enemy will try to deceive you into believing that nothing's changed. Because the temptation might feel familiar, then you might think, well, nothing's changed. I'm right back to the same place I always am. I always get tempted. I always fall and fail in the same ways. He's going to try to convince you that he's still in charge and that you're still bound, but it's a lie. 
It's a lie. You're not helpless. You're not hopeless. If the Son has set you free, then you are truly free from every chain that tries to bind you. True freedom is yours when you surrender to Jesus. And you do that through repentance. You're like, yeah, John, I don't know about this repentance deal. It just, it just you know, it doesn't sound like fun at all. Repentance is, is, it gets a bad rap, right? It's a, it is a beautiful thing. Repentance really just means to rethink. It just means to rethink. It means you start seeing things in the way the Word says that you are to see them. Okay? You realign your thinking with the Word of God. You, you start seeing sin as the chain, and you start seeing Jesus as your path to freedom. Anything that in your life that takes you away from Jesus needs to be thrown out. See, too many times people talk about the time before, before they got saved as the good old days when they were free to do whatever they wanted to do. Have you heard people talk about it that, like that? Like they, they're just so sad they had to get saved. They're just so sad because that was such wonderful stuff going on in their lives. And then Jesus came in and took away all their fun. And that's just, that's the lie of the enemy that tricks you into believing that Jesus is a chain and sin was freedom when the, actually the opposite of that is true. They, they act like surrendering to Jesus put them in, in bondage and stole their joy. You have to repent. You have to rethink. You have to, you have to change the way you look at things. Jesus didn't lock you up. Jesus set you free. The sin that you were living in, yes, it was pleasant for a season. No, why would you be tempted to do something that was terrible, right? That sin is tempting because it is pleasant for a season. It, felt, it feels good for a season. But the problem is that sin is also a road. Just like there is a road of righteousness, sin is also a road, and every road has a destination. Every road leads somewhere. So it might feel good for a moment, but at some point you're going to reach the end of the road and find out that the wages of sin is death. You don't understand the control that sin has over you when, when you're a slave to sin. But when you surrender to Jesus, he breaks that control and he sets you free. You're now actually free to choose. So I say, John, I don't know. I don't know about this. It, it sounds kind of old-fashioned. Sounds kind of uh, sounds kind of humiliating. Like I might have to admit I'm wrong about something. Yes, you will, because you are. All right. Here's so this is where people start negotiating. <clears throat> They're like, okay, so how about I just read the Bible and I agree that Jesus was a great person. And that he taught some really great life lessons. And how, how about I just start trying to be a better person? They go, okay, how about I just start coming to church more? Would that, would that make everything okay? How about I give some money to the church? How about I make a very generous $20 donation to the church? Would, would that make everything great? Listen, all that stuff's great. You, please do all of that stuff. But it will not lead you to true freedom. Because the gate to true freedom is repentance. It's repentance. It's, it's undeniable. There is no version of Christianity that doesn't involve repentance. A person who refuses to repent cannot be saved. 
And there's nothing more clear in Scripture than that. Let me show you. John the Baptist, he, he burst onto the scene. He had one message. What was it? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus followed John, kept the same message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus sent the 12 disciples out. Then he sent 70 or 72 more out. He gave them one message. Go to the villages and preach. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost with this message for the thousands of people that showed up wondering what in the world is going on. And he said, repent. Paul stood on Mars Hill in Athens, Greece, and he said God used to wink at sin because people were ignorant about what it was and who he was. But now he commands all men everywhere to repent. It's the consistent cry of Scripture, and it's the only way to receive the true freedom that Jesus offers us. It was true 2,000 years ago. It's still true today. You must repent of your sin and come to Jesus if you want to be saved. Now, the good news of the gospel is that when you repent, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, right? That's the Bible. Y'all excited about the Bible, (laughs) y'all? All right. I'm losing my voice. Y'all better get it now. Y'all better come on now. All right. Old things pass away. All things become new. The chains of your sin are broken. You You are a brand new creation. You're free from the power of sin in your life. You have a brand new master, and his name is Jesus. The first step to freedom is repentance so that you can get free from the power of sin in your life. And that's good news. Now, sometimes a person will repent, will come to Jesus, come to know the Lord, and still struggle, still not free. You all ever seen some bound up saved folks? You ever been a bound up saved folk? Right? The next couple of aspects of freedom will we'll kind of address that. All right, there's another gate to true freedom, and that is forgiveness. Forgiveness. You say, well, I thought forgiveness was taken care of with repentance. Oh, it is. But I'm not talking about the forgiveness we receive from the Father when we repent. I'm talking about the forgiveness that we offer to others who have hurt us. In 30 years of ministry, 52 years of life, I can't, I can't even count the number of people who were never able to enjoy the freedom that Jesus died to give them because they would not forgive those who had harmed them. I want to read several different passages of Scripture about forgiveness because it's all over the teachings of Jesus. You can't get away from the teaching of forgiveness. Uh, but if you're not looking for it, sometimes you, you skip over it. I want you to see this. Matthew 6 Anybody ever heard of the Lord's Prayer? All right. He says, uh, Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need. Forgive us our sins as we have in the same way or to the same extent that we have forgiven those who sin against us. You're like, I didn't know that's what I was saying. I get that. Verse 13, don't let us yield to temptation. Rescue us from the evil one. And then uh, the, the King James says, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. 
the next verse says, if you forgive those, Jesus is like, okay, I'm going to bet you these people are going to say this and never realize what they just said. So let me clear some things up. The very next verse says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. You're like, oh man, I didn't read the rest of that. Yeah. Next two verses are pretty important too. Look at Matthew 18, verses 32 to 35. Jesus just told a fairly lengthy parable. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I would encourage you to go back and read it. The king called in the man he had forgiven, and he said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you also have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? The angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. You're like, John, okay, that's fine, but that's a parable. And well, Jesus kind of brings it into the present in the next verse. He said, verse 35, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Not with your words, not signing a piece of paper from your heart. Look at Luke 6, verses 27, 28. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, just still the words of Jesus, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, present tense. Bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you. Verse 31, you've heard this before. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. Look at verse 36 and 38. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Don't judge others and you won't be judged. Don't condemn others or it'll come back against you. Uh, It will all come back against you, it says. Forgive others and you'll be forgiven. And then what we thought was an offering verse, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. This could be a much larger discussion, much longer conversation, and just about the principles of forgiveness. But the principles are really simple, y'all. Now, we can complicate it, we can drag it out, and we can moan about it, but the reality is it's pretty simple. Forgiving others is the command and the expectation of the one who forgave us. It's an expression of his work in us. All of us want to be forgiven when we hurt other people, and we've all hurt other people. So it's an expression of giving to others what we want for ourselves. Understanding that what we give will come back to us in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And forgiveness is the key to releasing us from the chains of our past. The person in the parable was held in prison and tortured because he wouldn't forgive the debt that someone owed to him. Our refusal to forgive those who have hurt us creates those chains. And the bitterness and the anger that we live with tortures us, not the person who hurt us. It tortures us. They're fine, y'all. They don't think about you. You wake, you're, they're the first thing on your mind every morning when you wake up. The last thing on your mind before you go to sleep. They ain't thought about you in 20 years. 
You're the one in prison. You're the one in chains. You're the one being tortured. The only thing that breaks that connection to your past and lets you walk in freedom is forgiveness. It's the only thing. Listen, if there was a better way, I'd tell y'all because there's nothing fun about forgiving a person who hurt you, but it's the only way to get free. Listen, even, even if the person you need to forgive is you. I don't know about y'all, I've made some train wrecks in my life, and I was driving, right? So even if you need to forgive yourself, that's the only way to get set free from the shame and the regret and all of that stuff that you've been living under. Because it's not doing anybody any good. Here's one that you don't hear about in church nearly enough. Even if the person you need to forgive is God. Not that God was ever wrong. Not that God ever did anything incorrect or unjust or unfair. But it still hurts. And sometimes we still hold that grudge against, you you ever had that conversation with yourself? Maybe even with the Lord, you could have stopped this if you had wanted to. Right? You ever had that that conversation? It's really rooted in arrogance and ignorance that if I was God, I wouldn't have let that happen. If I was God, I wouldn't have done it that way. It's a safe conversation to have because we'll never be God. So we get to muse all day about what we think we would do if we were sitting on the throne. The reality is we never will and we never can understand. God knows what he's doing. He always does the right thing. But sometimes doing the right thing causes pain. And so sometimes the the, the main person that we have to forgive uh, that will release us from the chains of our past is God. Okay? So listen... Forgiving someone who hurt you does not release them from responsibility for their actions. Okay? It doesn't. That, we can't hold them accountable for what they did. That's not even up to us. Justice and, and, and uh, vengeance belongs to the Lord. Forgiveness is just the recognition that we're not Him. They'll still stand before God. They'll still give an account for everything that they did, just like we will. But forgiveness cuts the emotional cords that connect you to that person and to those events. Forgiveness brings true freedom over the pain of your past. Forgiveness brings true freedom, the kind of freedom that Jesus died to give you, over the pain of your past. The unforgiveness in your heart is is what's keeping you connected to that person and is what's giving them power over you. I've, I've heard lots of people talk about, I'll never let that person hurt me again. You let them hurt you every day by refusing to forgive them and release them. Okay? You you want true freedom? Forgive forgive even if they're not sorry forgiveness and reconciliation are two completely different things okay so you're like you don't have to go out to eat with them okay forgiving them doesn't even involve them you forgive you it sets you free 
if they're not sorry, if they're unrepentant, if they're still, if they still have designs on hurting you, then don't reconcile with them. Why in the world would you just go be a doormat for somebody that's going to abuse you? Forgiving them and reconciling with them two completely different things. Okay? Forgive, even if they did it on purpose. Even, even if they laughed at your pain. Even if they deny that you even had pain and told you you're being ridiculous and dramatic and, over, and emotional. Forgive. Forgiveness is about freedom. It's about your freedom, not their freedom. And here's what I found to be true. Until you release the pain of your past, you'll never be able to walk in the freedom of your future. Until you release the pain of your past, <clears throat> you'll never be able to walk in the freedom of your future. Now, John, I got people hurting me right now. I understand that. I know that. I get that. Forgive them every day. They're doing the same thing every day. I got to forgive them for the same thing every day. Well, actually, Jesus said 490 times a day. The same person for the same offense, right? I didn't say it was easy. I just said this is the path. And the gate is forgiveness. All right? Here's, here's another area that will keep you from walking in the true freedom that Jesus paid for. Deliverance. Deliverance. So deliverance is a gate that leads you to true freedom. I want to show you one example of deliverance. Luke chapter 8. This is one way it looks. <clears throat> Luke chapter 8, verses 27 through 35. Jesus climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came to meet him. For a long time he had been homeless and naked, living in a cemetery outside the town. <laughs> as soon as, um, as, as soon as, I'm sorry, let me tell you why I'm laughing. I included this passage in the book, the, the, the heart attacks book, and this was, I got flagged from the publisher because I said crazy naked guy, Godwin. I said crazy naked guy. They flagged, not naked, crazy. I couldn't call him crazy. So I had to change it to insane. So if you get the book and you read the word insane, y'all can, in your mind, just say crazy because that's what it means. Okay? Sorry about that. It's the first time I've read through this again in public. Uh, <clears throat> as soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked, fell down in front of him. Then he, then he started screaming, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, the son of the most high God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. Uh, for Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. This spirit, look at this, this spirit had taken control of the man. Even when he placed, was placed under guard, put in shackles and chains, he simply broke out, rushed out into the wilderness, completely under the demon's power. Jesus demanded, what's your name? Legion, he replied, <clears throat> for he was filled with many demons. Let's go to verse 31 now. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. The demons begged him to let them enter the pigs. Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man, entered the pigs. The entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby town uh, and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus. They saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed, perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. All right? 
This is one form of deliverance. That, that, and deliverance is always about gaining freedom from those things that would control us. In this case, it's freedom from demon possession. It's referred to many times in Scripture. You can't deny that it, that it happens. It's all over the Gospels. This passage states the demon was in control of the man. But after Jesus delivered him from their power, he was set free and he was able to surrender to and follow Jesus. All right? But the enemy's influence, like, John, I'm, I'm not possessed by the devil. I'm not saying you are. I'm trying to explain something, okay? The enemy's influence is not just found in demon possession, okay? And it doesn't stop just because a person becomes a follower of Jesus. The, the influence is in the lies that the enemy has caused us to believe about ourselves and about others. It's in the deceptions and the false doctrines that he's convinced us of. Y'all ever heard somebody preach stuff that was not in the Bible? Right? It's in, it's in our stubbornness. It's in our spiritual blindness where we can't see the strongholds in our lives. It's in those few sins that we just can't seem to get over and get past. So deliverance brings true freedom over controlling influences. That's what we're talking about. So when, we say, when I say Jesus came to deliver you, I'm not talking about a slobber-knocking, demon-chasing kind of deal. Okay, it, It's a controlling influence over you that you need to get delivered from. Okay, Now I want to show you what I'm talking about. In, in 2 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 10, 2 Corinthians 10, this is in the NIV. For though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with, or the weapons of our warfare, are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Okay, First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Also in the NIV, the Spirit clearly says that in the later times, we are in the later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Another translation says doctrines of demons. Now, Hebrews chapter 12, also verse 1. This is back in the New Living Translation. Therefore, since we're so, we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let's strip off every weight that slows us down, and especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Another version of King James says the, the sin that so easily besets us. A besetting sin is one that tangles you up and won't let you go. And let us run the race with, the, with endurance, the race that God has set before us. There are thoughts that we have that are rooted in pride, right? Completely ungodly thoughts, they're really rooted in pride. There are high-sounding theories and arguments. There are doctrines that sound good. They are just not rooted in the word of God. There are sins that trip us up over and over and over again. There are things that we believe about life or believe about ourselves because someone told us often enough that we assumed they were true. All those things exalt themselves against the knowledge of Christ and they attempt to control our thoughts, to dictate our feelings, to influence our decisions. So make no mistake about it, it is spiritual warfare, and it is just as demonic as possession is. But don't forget, Jesus died to make us free. 
All right? He offers deliverance from anything that binds us. 2 Corinthians says there are spiritual weapons that can bring those strongholds down, expose the doctrines of demons, and cut away the cords of sin that entangle us. Well, what weapon gives us that ability? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What else exposes lies better than the truth? What else cuts the cords of sin like a two-edged sword? What else can expose the, the deceptive and demonic motives that sometimes we operate in like the sword that can divide bone from marrow? That's why you need to read your Bible and pray. It's not because there's some sort of, uh, of checkbox you, you have to fulfill out of religious exercise and religious requirement. You read and you pray so that you'll be equipped for the fight for your freedom when the time comes. If, you, if you're being affected by those kinds of strongholds in your life, and everyone is at some point and in some way, or if someone you love is, there is hope and there is help. Keep praying. Keep learning, keep living, keep declaring the truth, keep praying that their spiritual eyes will be open. That's in the book of Ephesians, and that they'll be set free. One of my favorite phrases in the whole Bible is from the story of the prodigal son, when it says, he, one day he came to himself. I just love that. I've had a few of those times in my life where I just came to myself and said, you're an idiot. What in the world? And I pray, oh, I pray that over people, that God, those that are far from you, I just pray they come to themselves and realize how foolish they've been. And today, Lord, I pray over every person who's being deceived, every person who's confused, every person held captive by doctrines of demons or besetting sin, by lies spoken over them by broken, angry people. I pray that they'll come to themselves and come back to the Father. I pray that their spiritual eyes will be open and they see the deception and they see the separation and they see the captivity that they're in and go running back towards freedom, running towards the only one who died to make them free. Lord, deliver us from evil. Save us and heal us and help us to forgive others in the name of Jesus. We need to be delivered. Here's the last thing, the last gate, and probably what comes to mind, at least this scripture is what comes to mind when you think of freedom. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 13 because we quote one, one, one verse of, that, of this passage and we don't know what it's talking about. So verse 13, we're, we're not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel wouldn't see the glory, even though he was de- it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened in verse 14. The people's minds were hardened, and to this day, whenever the Old Covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they, can, they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can only be removed by believing in Christ. Yes, today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil, and they don't understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, I want you to see verse 16. Whenever someone turns to the Lord... The veil is taken away. Will you put up verse 16, please? Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
So all of us who've had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we're changed into His glorious image. Walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit gives you true freedom to reflect the light of Jesus. All right? Of all the doctrines of demons and the deceptions perpetrated against the church today, I think maybe the most damaging is the complete misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit. So many people are either afraid of the Holy Spirit or indifferent towards Him. Both of those attitudes are unbiblical and they're unbecoming a child of God. First of all, please recognize you can't even be a believer unless you're convicted by the Holy Spirit and drawn, by, drawn to repentance. And after you become a believer, the Holy Spirit is the seal upon your heart and the evidence that you belong to Him. But you have to choose to walk in the Spirit. That's Romans and Galatians. You can choose to walk in the flesh. You can choose to walk in the Spirit. But this passage in 2 Corinthians teaches us the Lord is the Spirit. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the, the three are one. And the only way to walk in freedom, the only way to have the power to forgive others, the only way to get delivered from the things that are controlling you is through the Holy Spirit. That's where freedom comes from. Where the Spirit is, there is freedom. So if you're walking separate from the Spirit, you're walking in bondage. You want to walk in freedom, you have to walk with the Spirit. It, it, so it makes sense that people are. It makes no sense that people are afraid of the Spirit. He he's there to set them free to enjoy what Jesus died to give them. It, it makes no sense that people are uninterested in Him, because He's there to make their lives so much more effective for the kingdom of God. And beyond that, all believers are supposed to be reflecting the light of Jesus, right? Becoming more and more like Him. Well, that passage told us how to do that. It says if we want to reflect the light and the image of Jesus, we have to have the veil removed. And the Holy Spirit removes the veil so that we can come to Jesus. But it says the Spirit will also make us more and more like Jesus. That's a process. That's a journey. That's a relationship with the Holy Spirit every day. The more you walk with Him, the more you get delivered, the more you do what He says, the more you forgive, the more you release, the more and more and more like Jesus you become. The more other people can see His reflection in you. And as far as I know, that's the whole point in the first place. Walking in the flesh, walking without the Spirit, leaves you dull and carnal and bound. <clears throat> walking with the Spirit leaves you bright, Spirit-filled, and free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And it's true freedom. Bought and paid for by Jesus. Carried out in our lives by the Holy Spirit. So here's, our, here's the question today. Do you want to be free? Do you want to be free? This is true freedom. Right? This is true freedom. You could have shackles and chains on your hands and feet and still be free from the power of sin through Jesus Christ. You could be under house arrest by an oppressive government and still be free from the pain of your past through forgiveness. You could be treated like a second-class citizen in your own country and still be free from the controlling influences of the enemy as he tries to attack your soul. 
You could be in a communist country that prohibits the practice of any religion and still reflect the glory of Jesus because you're full of His Spirit. So the question today is, do you want to be free? Why don't you stand with me today? in your relationship with the Lord. So let's start there, right? So some of you may not even have a relationship with the Lord. Repentance is the way to get one. You come to Him and you repent of your sin. You recognize what Jesus did for you on the cross. You accept that as your only path to forgiveness, the only path to the Father. That's what sets you free from the power of sin. Maybe you've got things in your past that are still holding on to you, people who've hurt you, and you're not sure you're ready to let them go. Listen, it's time to let it go. It's time to let it go today so you can be free. Some of you are, are, are sort of tortured in your mind by lies that people have told about you that don't measure up with the Word of God. Things that you believe that you just can't find in Scripture. And it might be because you've been deceived. Believe what the Word says. Believe what the truth is and let everything else go. And then maybe you've bought into the biggest lie and that is you can do all this on your own. Once you get saved, then it's just up to you to hang out until Jesus comes and gets you and takes you to heaven. That's just nothing to be further from the truth. The Holy Spirit wants to be beside you, in you, every, every step of the way, empowering you, enabling you to do all the things that you that, uh, the kingdom of God requires. So listen, do you want to be free? Make the choice today. I'm going to pray. The altar is open. You want to come pray about this. You can pray about anything that's going on in your life. This altar is open for you to pray for. We'd be happy to pray with you. They're going to sing a song while people pray. We'll be dismissed together in just a minute, okay? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you paid for our freedom. Thank you that you extended to us so generously today. And I pray, God, that you would help us to come and receive that freedom. To walk in it. Not just believe in it, but walk in it, Father. I pray that you draw people to this altar. And Lord, that when they come, that you would meet them here. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.